You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. All right, I want to talk to you out of a couple of verses in, um, in the book of Colossians. I'm going to take Colossians chapter 3. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. He had actually never met these people. Uh, this church was started as an offshoot of probably the church in Ephesus. And he's encouraging them. And uh, so when Chad kind of works through these series and he gives hands out kind of text assignments to to each of us on the team, uh, he says, you know, find what you can in this first part of the chapter. And I got stuck in verse one. And uh, so that's where I'm going to be talking to you from. He wrote this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He says, set your hearts and set your minds on things, minds above. On things above when the world will hear. I mean, we are just making it. Like, we're just trying to get through the day. We're trying to, to, to make life happen here. And yet he says, you know, in order to make it happen here, you have to keep your focus up there. You see, God created you and I in his image. We were created to be part of an incredible dance that has been going on for all eternity. A dance with the Father, a dance with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit where there's this honoring and preferring. And everything they did, they did it together, they created. And when God created us, he created us to be the fourth person in the dance. We were created from the divine, of the divine, for a divine purpose But that purpose was going to happen down here on earth. Do you understand? And so if you really want to enter into that full purpose for which you are created, your orientation point is going to be him. And God knows you better than you know yourself. You think you know yourself, but you don't know yourself. He knows you better than you know. He knows what the best version of you looks like. And God knows how to activate all of the latent potential in you. He knows that we have blind spots. We all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. Like you're the only one in the room that doesn't know you have bad breath. That's true for so many areas of our lives. We don't see what we don't see. And God knows that human beings left to themselves have an infinite capacity to adjust downwards. We take that what is good and, and we, we destroy it. We take that which is holy and we corrupt it. We take relationships that were meant for life and we beat each other up. He knows that we have this propensity that Satan is out to, that, 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 that at best, and destroy you at worst. And so God gave us a map. He called it the Bible. He gave us a map, and that map, if we will read it, if we will follow it, it will lead us to him. When you think of the, the, the overall, the whole, whole of the scriptures 
All of the Old Testament in so many ways is pointing to Jesus and Jesus is pointing us to the Father. And so when we look at the scripture, it's really more about finding him than it is about finding a way to do life. Now it does instruct us on how to honor each other and how to do life, but it's primarily a roadmap that points us to him. Because Paul said that's where your life, the life you're looking for, it's hidden. It's hidden in him, in Christ. You wanna find it? Find Jesus, you'll find your purpose, you'll find your life. Scripture says, in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, pleasures evermore. In his presence is fullness of joy. And so Paul says, set your eyes on him. So first he gave us a map. And then God goes one step further and because of Jesus Christ, he comes and he deposits in those who believe his own living Holy Spirit. He put his own spirit in you to be a compass for you. And what Paul is trying to instruct this church in the the Colossians is that that, that use the map and trust your compass. Use the map, read it, get informed, fuel your soul with it. Because when the map and the compass align, then you will have direction. When the map and the compass align, you will have direction for your life. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was saying when in in, in John chapter seven, the Bible says on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink, for out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He said this, I'm sorry, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him would, were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been glorified. He's saying the same thing. Use the map and trust your compass. When they align, you will have direction. He will guide you. The way we make room for rivers of life to flow in us and out of us is by setting our mind on the things that are above, not on the things below. See, but whatever your heart desires, you pursue. And whatever your mind focuses on, that's what you tend to do. It's why if you're gonna learn to fight, you have to learn to fight the first battle, the battleground for just about everything in your life is the human mind. You have to fight, you have to battle for who you are in your mind. Let me tell you something, this is so simple, this is so profound, all at the same time, because the world that you see in your mind is the world you will find in your experience. I'll go one step further and say this. How you see the world in your mind actually creates the world that you experience. You bring fear into the world that you live in, fear is going to be all around you. You bring criticism into your world. You bring that attitude, that mental disposition to the world and what you will find is criticism everywhere. You bring anger into that world because human beings have this magnetic ability not to attract what we want, 
but we attract to ourselves what we are. I wish it weren't like that. I wish I, wish I could just attract what I want, but I can't. I attract what I am. You, I saw this. Anybody who's done youth ministry or worked with young people, you see this. Teachers will see this. You, you know what? In a youth group of 100 people, you insert one rebel. Nobody even knows the person. One rebel. And before the night is out, they will find your, your resident rebel and they will find each other. They attract to each other. It's absolutely amazing. Some of you seem to find good people everywhere you go. You go to work, there's good people. You go on vacation, whoa, we met so many good people. And you want to know why you find so many good people? Because you are good people. You attract good people. So, so, some of you have great friends. You had great friends before you moved here. You moved here and you got great friends now. And it's very, really, really very simple. You know why you have great friends? Because you're a good friend. You're a really good friend. The kind of person who always finds hope and love in the world finds hope and love in the world because wherever they go, they give and they bring hope and love to the world. And we always attract what we are. The contrary is true too. If you find yourself constantly surrounded by cynical people, it sucks to be you. That's because you're a cynic. Yeah. Yeah, you're, no, people are afraid to tell you that. But you are cynical. If you're constantly surrounded by people who are complaining, everywhere you go, the, the room, the, the, the dominant feel in the room is complaining, it's because you are a complainer. And you can say amen or oh me or I hate you, Ed. Um, but, but you attract what you are. If you are constantly surrounded by angry people, it's because you're angry. See, this is so incredible because your mind is the construct through which you see reality. And once you see reality like that, you actually attract that version of reality to you. And so Paul says, if you want to attract anything to you, retract heaven to you and set your mind on the things that are above. If you're going to pull anything to you, set your focus, your, your, your affections and your thoughts on the things that are above so you can attract them to yourself. You see, I'm convinced that there are probably more people in this room that have more trouble in your mind and your thought life than you do in your finances because you're human beings. And the, 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 the battle in your thought life is wearing you out. I was telling Oliver that to, 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 to this week, oh, my brain was like a punching bag. Like, talk about a battle in my head. I have not warred in my head like I did in the last week. While I was trying to make sense of this passage, it's just like, oh, I'm exhausted. Some of you, you know, you, you go to bed tired. And you wake up tired after seven hours sleep. Your body got sleep, but your mind was warring all night long. And, and it's warring around things that you worry about. Worry is such an energy sifter. And some of you just worry so much. 
See, the enemy is after your mind. If Satan can contain you in your thinking, he can contain your life. If you think you're nothing, you will actually act like nothing. He wants to sift your mind. He wants to diminish you with thoughts of worry and anger and, and hate and bitterness and lust and discontent. And if he can do that, then he can steal your peace. And if he can steal your peace, he can steal your joy. When you get discouraged here at the level of the mind, you become exhausted at the level of life. The Bible says, God, God in, in, in Isaiah, Isaiah said this, he said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on you. If you want to regain your keel, your center, start your days, get your eyes off of your circumstances because you're not gonna find peace even in good circumstances. Because as soon as you find peace in good circumstances, you get foreboding joy and you go, oh, but that's gonna change. You know what, the market could change. Oh, that's going downhill. You don't find your peace in your circumstances. He said, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on, on him. Paul said, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be known, made known to God. I'm a total people pleaser. By nature, I just want to make you happy. And that way you'll like me. And that, that's what people pleasers do. What we don't realize is that when we are so, work so hard to please people, we give them all of our power. If pleasing you so that I can feel good about me is how this is gonna happen, then you have all the power in the world and I have none. Because after all my pleasing, you can go, you dress funny and then that will hurt me. And then, uh, and then I'll be sad. So I've given you all my power. And I think it's time to stop wasting all of our energy being anxious about what someone else said or someone else thinks about you. Your future is not predicated on what anybody else decides to do. You've, we waste so much time trying, trying to change people's perceptions of us doesn't matter what they think about you. God's not going to bless you because of somebody of how somebody sees you. God is going to bless you because of how he sees you. And what he wants you to do is get his mind so that you can line your life up with what he says about you, what he thinks about you, and life will flow into you and life will flow through you. You see, your brain is the most supernatural tool in the universe. Can you imagine, like a brain figured this thing out? Like a brain, someone saw or thought, let's create microphones, and so they made microphone. Your mind is incredible. It just needs to be yielded to the Holy Spirit to be most productive in your life. In order for you to be aware and to cooperate, to cooperate with the designs and the plans that God has for you on a daily basis, you gotta be synced with the Holy Spirit. You gotta be hooked up. The Bible says the, 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 the grafted, the, the ingrafted word 
is able to save your soul. When, when you, ingrafted is, is like when you graft some skin to your skin, they become one tissue. It becomes one. And the ingrafted word, it, 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 is, it is when it goes from your brain and begins to actually shift your entire disposition, the way you do life. And when the word of God becomes grafted into your life, the more and the more that happens, the word of God becomes your sedative. The word of God becomes your therapy. The word of God becomes your counselor, your inspiration, your compass, your roadmap, your light. You move in it. The engrafted word will come into your mind and it'll begin to even heal some of your memories. It doesn't change history. It just takes the sting out because it, grace just, just seems to work even into your memories. Your job is to put the word of God in your mind and then the word of God releases life and healing like a time-release vitamin capsule. You just put it in there and when it needs to, it will begin to flow life into the areas of your life that are broken. And that's why he said the engrafted word of God can save your soul. See, one of the great challenges, one of our great goals for, I suppose if I'm really honest, the thing that I long for the most is to live my life with the mind of Christ. Because I would love to look at the moments of my life the way Jesus handled the moments in his life. He, he looks at a little kid and a little kid's lunch and he sees thousands of people sitting on a mountainside. And you know what Jesus sees? Leftovers. He sees leftovers, lots and lots of leftovers. I, I, I wish I could see that. We all know, we can see that there, there, there is an oak tree and an acorn, but he lived his life knowing that those are possibilities, not only possibilities, those are realities for people. He wants to give us that divine perspective. Jesus looked at everything that he looked at in his life with, two, with an under, th this understanding, at least these two understandings. One, he looked at every moment of life with understanding the Father's love. And two, heaven's resources are available to him. And so no matter what, a, what kind of a pickle he found himself in, it didn't matter how difficult the circumstances were, he never really broke into a sweat because the circumstance seemed to resist him because he understood that the Father had made available to him the resources of heaven. And he would access them, and people would get healed, and waters, let, let them walk on water. He, he, would, he would operate like that. And if you and I could see what Jesus sees with the understanding of the Father's love and heaven's resources, we would live very differently. We'd live very, we, we wouldn't be so, so desperately reading the paper for the stock report for our own sense of security. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. I'm gonna tell you one story and then, then I'm done. It's a true story. In, 19, uh, in 1982, I started a campus ministry. I didn't actually mean to start a campus ministry, but um, I found favor with the principal at John Diefenbaker High School and um, and he let me use a teaching theater one lunch hour a week 
and I would prepare these talks and I would just try to motivate and inspire kids and I could, I could talk about Jesus in that meeting and, 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 and that group, okay? In 1987, we had grown to 21 high schools. Um, we had registered the ministry as a charity, as a nonprofit organization and, and, and we had five people on staff, on payroll. And um, we had about 30 young adults that were volunteering and helping us do the work. And it was so much fun. It was just, because we didn't know what we were doing. We were just faking it till we made it, right? You know, we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. My job was to raise the money for everybody's salary and to make this thing go. And um, every morning of the week, we would meet at our house and we'd sit around the kitchen table and we would debrief on yesterday and we would talk about what's got to get done today and we'd drink coffee, we'd pray together and then everybody go off to their, to their schools and to their, their districts. And I loved it. I was just, because we were effective. Hundreds of kids came to Christ every year. We were making a difference and it didn't even cost much. I didn't have to worry about overhead because we, I already had a kitchen. You know what? We met in the kitchen and, um, and I just was so happy. I just thought we're lean and we're making a difference. After about a year, I, uh, I got this impression and, and it sounded like this. The Lord put this thought in me. He said, I have five fully furnished offices for you. Get ready. And I heard this in my soul. And it was so strong. And I said, no, I don't want offices. I like the way we're rolling. No, I don't want any offices. We don't need them. We work in the schools. We don't need offices. I don't want to pay for offices. I don't want to pay for furniture. I don't want to pay for all of that. I don't want to have to be responsible for that. I have to get insurance. I, I just want to raise money, put it in their hands, and they make a difference. That's what I want to do. And I fought this thing. But it wouldn't go away. In fact, the more I fought it, the bigger it got. And so we were in a, I have a board of directors that governs the ministry and I, I, I brought it to a meeting one day and I have the sagely old guy on the, on the team and he said, it seems to me like God wants to do something and you keep resisting it. I think, we, and he said, how's that working for you? And it's just giving me an ulcer is what it's doing. And he said, why don't we just lean into it? Why don't we, why don't we, and, and so right there we prayed and we said, thank you, Father, that you have five fully furnished offices. And, and, and I said that we don't have to pay for it because I didn't want to pay for it. I didn't want to raise the money for it. And so um, then I went to our staff and I said, this is what, we're going to start just thanking God every morning that he has something for us that, that he's going to help us with. And, and then, uh, so we finished out that school year. Somewhere in the middle of the summer, I went to my insurance broker to do some, sign some papers. And the office was really turned upside down. And I said to Daryl, what's going on? You guys moving? He goes, oh, he said, no, he said, it's my job. He said, we just bought new furniture for all of our offices. And he said, and it's my job to get rid of this stuff before the weekend, because that's when the new furniture's coming. And I said, well, how many offices do you have here? And he said, we have five. And, I, and, and, and he said, do you know anybody that wants some furniture? And I said, well, I don't have any offices. Um, 
They don't have a place to store them, but I'll call you this afternoon. Talk to my wife, talk to some of the guys on the board. And, and he said, dude, are you, are you stupid? I mean, he's giving, he's fulfilling what he put in your heart. He's just doing it in a different order. And so I said, sure, I'll take the furniture. And so then I got to find a, I found a friend who had a huge trailer. And I am talking about several photocopiers, um, file cabinets, desks, um, pictures, plastic plants, couches, the, everything, absolutely everything. And so we loaded all in the trailer and this would have been on a Friday. And I take the trailer and park it in front of my house because I, and now I don't know what to do. While I'm parking it, the guy who owns the trailer said, hey, I just got a job. I need that trailer for Monday. Oh, it's been sitting empty for months. And now I, now I got a place, find a place for the furniture. And so on Friday night, Marcy and I, um, we're, we're having dinner with a couple we'd only met once before, Howard and Karen Gertz. And while we're playing cards, I'm telling them my furniture story. And they're real quiet and everything like that. And so, uh, again, they, they have no idea how weird I am. Uh, they, you know, and so I, I'm just telling them the story. As they're saying goodbye to us that night, uh, Howard said, well, listen, I, I do have a shop. I can probably clear some space in the shop for to store it for a few days or maybe a week. And, um, and, and, I, and I said, but I have to, can I do that tomorrow? He said, sure. So we store the furniture there. And now I'm thinking, what now? What now? You know? On Monday, Howard phones me and he said, meet me at the, at the warehouse. Meet me, I, I gotta talk to you about something. He said, Karen and I were praying about it all weekend. And he said, we've had a lot of people show interest in something that I think I'm supposed to give to you. He said, come with me. We went to the second floor of his office building and there were five offices. He said, I, I've, I haven't felt comfortable with anybody that's, that's wanted to rent these offices from, from us. And he said, and Karen and I want to donate them for the use of your ministry uh, as long as you need them. And God answered the prayer. You see, but what was incredible is that God not only provided for our ministry, but Howard and Karen became our best friends. We journeyed together for decades. We raised our kids together. These people became such life-giving people to us relationally and otherwise. You see, it's like, you know when a, a, a football receiver is about, the quarterback gives him the play and the receiver runs a pattern. And they usually do a cut right before they turn right, they deke left. When the receiver is doing the cut, the ball is already in the air. And he turns and boom, it's there. And God has given some of you a play. That's what happened to me. He's telling me what he wants to do. And all he needed me to do is be obedient, to trust the map, use the map, trust the compass. And I did my cut and I turned around, boom, it was there. And some of you, he's asking you to trust him, to run the pattern. And when you do the cut, I promise you, the ball is already in the air. It's already coming, the provision is the Lord's. Look at your dream. Look at it through the Father's love. Look at it through heaven's resource and run your pattern. And run your pattern. Christina, she, she, she ran a pattern that was almost impossible. 
She dreamed a dream so big it was impossible. She ran the pattern and it was, she had to fight a lot. She made the pattern. God blessed her with a clinic that doesn't exist in the Okanagan. She ran the pattern, she caught the ball. And I'll bet you we could look at each of our lives and see how in our simple obedience, God is faithful. God is faithful. Why don't we stand together? Use the map, trust the compass. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. The dreams that are in our hearts, Father, they are just so often more real than the circumstances that resist those dreams. And I pray for faith to rise up in the room, for faith to rise up in our hearts today, Father. Give us grace, God, to take our eyes off of all the limitations and all of the difficult circumstances and all, all those things that want to contain us. We lift our eyes to you and we will hold on to the dreams that you put in us and we will cling to them and we will rejoice in them by faith. Father, we, I want to pray for Ryan. Lord, by, in the natural, he's still hurting. But we just release our, our thankfulness by faith in his healing, his complete and total healing. That his mind and his brain would just settle right down. Let every tissue of his body, Father, experience your supernatural healing power right now. For those who wrestle with sickness in their bodies right now, Father, we thank you for being the healer. And by faith, we're just reaching out and saying, we love you, Father. Thank you. The ball is in the air. The ball is in the air. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Audio from the House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.